Systems work, people fail. Welcome to InsureMark's Advisor Mentorship Podcast with Vice President Jeremy Hauser, where we share proven systems and processes for the 21st century advisor. Today, it's essential that advisors find a way to differentiate themselves from the competition. Learn how to elevate your game and accomplish incredible feats as Jeremy teaches you how to build a more successful and sustainable business while realizing a better work-life balance is not only possible, but achievable. Welcome to this week's episode of the Advisor Mentorship Podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Hauser. And as we continue to share best practices with proven systems and processes that work for advisors, I like to every now and then bring on one of the partnered advisors here within my team and have a conversation with them, see what's working for them this year, what's maybe the struggles they've had in the past, what's worked for them in the past, and most importantly for the audience to hear maybe some successful processes they're doing in their business today and taking forward. So I have a special guest today. Um, I actually have Michael Ginsberg, who's out of California. Michael recently teamed up with us not too long ago. So uh, not an advisor of ours that's been working with us for call it two, three, 10 years, but uh, relatively new. So good morning, Michael. How's it going today? Going great. Thanks, Jeremy. So if you don't mind sharing with the audience, who is Michael Ginsburg and how long have you been in the business? Sure. Um, so I've been in um, the business, uh, made a transition. I used to be a, a real estate, estate planning and commercial litigation attorney uh, in Central California and uh, did that for about 10 years in the late 80s, early 90s and um, got transitioned out of that. I uh, wasn't crazy about practicing law. I uh, enjoyed law school, hated practice, but uh, uh, from there I got recruited. Actually, my one and only corporate job it got me exposed to the financial industry was by with Wells Fargo, and I was working with their smallish businesses, basically five to ten million dollars in revenue, and um, it gave me my exposure, my my two year exposure to corporate America. I realized I am not a corporate employee. <laughs> um, that's not what I flourish in. And, but what I did learn was that these business owners put hundred percent of their efforts into an illiquid asset and gambled their entire financial future on this one business. And they rarely funded their own retirements. They rarely funded long-term planning. They, they really just put their employees first, that their employees were their family. And mm-hmm. um, when I left Wells Fargo, um, I actually started a mortgage company focused on these type of business owners. And how, and that was the time, of course, that real estate was going crazy. And I got involved. And that's how I got started with insurance products, was doing home equity management and basically protecting all of this equity that they had in their homes, because eventually the real estate was going to implode. And this way, we were able to jumpstart and protect um, these assets with insurance products that were, of course, protected from creditors if something happened financially. And that's what got me exposed to the whole retirement planning arena. Mm-hmm. And then was exp- and, and, and that, that's where I really started developing my investment philosophy of managing volatility, looking at sequence of return, looking at creating a pension-like solution. But the idea was always to try to stay on the cutting edge of finding tools that will accomplish that. So, so that's what kind of got me started in this whole retirement planning arena and kind of transitioned once I got my securities license, became a certified financial planner. And uh, at that time I was working with a broker dealer, it was a division of NetLife. 
and they hired me to really do lead generation for them and, and uh, workshops for all these kids they were hiring and bringing on board. And, um, but I really didn't like being told, especially having a fiduciary responsibility to my clients, being told you have to sell so much of these overpriced variable annuities and you have to sell so much of this overpriced variable um, universal life insurance. And that to me was not ethical. It wasn't moral. And I have some, I'm pretty black and white when it comes to ethics and morals. I so. uh, don't have a big gray area. They're pretty, pretty narrow. And so to me, that was really critical. So the idea of, of um, putting clients first has always been the center of, of who I am and, and how I developed my practice. And I, I think uh, as a certified financial planner and a registered investment advisor, always putting the client first and that fiduciary responsibility, uh, even if someone legally doesn't have a fiduciary responsibility, personally, I think they should operate that way. But that's, but that's kind of who I am and, and, and how I got started with the business and really focused on this retirement income planning area. And, and so knowing... So in, in your career, Michael, so what were basically the conversations or transitions from Wells Fargo? So moving into independent world, um, how did you get in front of people or how did people know who you were? I, I'm not sure. How many years did you actually work with Wells Fargo? Did you say? Oh, only a couple of years. So it was just, that was a very short. I knew that I did not like corporate America. Yes, that was not my thing. And being Yes, not, not my thing, <laughs> and uh, in a lot of ways. <clears throat> and um, that's what started getting me um, really jump-started into, because my the, those business owners were actually my first clients when I started my mortgage company. And that's when I was exposed with this home equity management. That's when I first became insurance licensed when I went to these trainings uh, for home equity management, all these life guys uh, were there and they were talking about this magic term called target premium. And they, they all wanted to be friends with us mortgage people to create all of these lump sums. And they were going to you know issue and um, allow us to do the mortgage. And they were going to graciously take on these uh, insurance products. And a group of us, you know, they, these guys were like all excited when they started seeing these illustrations, these target premiums, which had no idea what this term meant. So a group of us found someone to, who would actually fess up at lunchtime and explained what this illustration looked like. And we thought, oh my God, we were really abused by these people <laughs> and realized and understood. So immediately a group of us, there were four of us all from California, uh, four of us actually teamed up and we all got our insurance licenses at the same time and then started working together, hmm. starting to workshops um, in this home, whole home equity management area. And that's how I got started with insurance products and, and first exposed to uh, fixed index universal life and fixed index uh, annuities uh, when they first came out. Gosh, what was it? 15, 20 years, 15 ish years ago. Mid 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so since then, you're, you've been working in the insurance field a little bit. Um, I believe you're, you're your own RIA, though. So, as a holistic advisor, what are some of the what are the conversations you're having today with those clients or even new prospects as a fiduciary? So what common challenges do you hear from the consumer uh, that you're actually speaking to on the day-to-day -day basis today? Yeah, today what 
people are tired. I mean, the whole idea of, of these so-called once-in-a-lifetime events here, we've, we're going through this whole pandemic. It's allegedly a once-in-a-lifetime event. Well, if you think back over the last seven, eight, 10 years, we've had, what, five or so once-in-a-lifetime events? Well, the, the definition of a once-in-a-lifetime event should be once-in-a-freaking-lifetime, right? Um, so that's the whole thing. Well, now five times in a once-in-a-lifetime is getting really, really old. And personally, I had a couple of clients who were forced um, into an early retirement at the start of the pandemic. They got laid off and they were anticipating working for another few years. And I've, in my client education, I always talk about a sequence of returns and, the, and, and just the mathematical concept behind the idea if you happen to have to retire and have to take principal out during a down market what impact that will have over a 15, 20 year retirement. And you could literally run out of money um, versus someone who's retiring in an up market. And I preached about this all the time for years. Well, this was the first time I saw it for my, with my own eyes and seeing the pain that these clients were going through and the fear that these clients were going to. And I had left, um, I really stopped using annuity products and insurance products um, about seven, eight, nine years ago because the, they were challenged. And I stopped using them and using other tools to manage volatility in my portfolios with my clients. But after seeing that personally, the impact of a down market and, and, and seeing humans, not just this theoretical sequence of return, this mathematical concept, but actual couples that I've worked with and know, and the fear that they had, that was too much. And I knew that I had to start doing something different with my planning, with my clients. And um, I didn't think about going back to the, the annuity products until I, I started working with you guys and started realizing, wow, they've changed. And you, you, you did a lot of educating about how the products have changed and improved and became, from my perspective, more serious, real asset classes. And um, the indexes changed as well and the fee structures and things like that. So, so basically, after starting to work with, with, your, you, know, with you guys and, and your team and all of the support and the education, it, that's really the change that I have really uh, instilled in, in my business over the last six months is talking to every one of my clients about the importance of taking risk off the off of the plate, taking um, util, utilizing the fixed index annuities as an asset class, and really as a guaranteed asset class, and really changed the entire conversation. And I'm feeling really good about moving a hunk of their assets out of the market risk, especially over the last couple of weeks. People, people always forget about down markets until it happens. And mm -hmm. so uh, over the last couple of weeks where the volatility, it's not just talking about it, but actually they can experience it in a broad market perspective. And of course, with the rest of the economy, with inflation and, and the rest of the issues going on, um, it really is starting to resonate and people are starting to really want to really protect their assets and be good stewards of their own assets and really take personal responsibility. And I think the, the uh, utilizing 
the fixed index annuities as an asset class has really been a, a big improvement and a, a, a really great addition to my practice. And so with the the FIAs and and like you mentioned, so I didn't realize it had been seven years since you've been really looking at insurance as an opportunity to protect your customers. So for those advisors out there that come across this nowadays, what what light bulb went off? Something had to have happened to Michael or with a customer where how do you identify out of the asset class, what part of it should be insured or not? Uh, what maybe share with the audience, is there a, was there a story or was there a particular asset class that just wasn't performing or what, what was your aha moment? Yeah. So what I used in lieu of uh, insurance products, when I, when I, I got really, again, to me, ethics, both from the, the companies I do business with is really important. And when interest rates continue to stay down, all of these insurance companies reduce their participation rates. They reduced the, you know, all, all the, everything that was there for the benefit of the client, they reduced. And uh, these were annual contracts. So every year, these companies were changing the rules of the game. And that kind of bothered me. I understand it from a financial perspective, but it really bothered me. So I stepped away completely from insurance products and I replaced it with utilizing different non-publicly traded real estate trusts. Um, and as a fee-based advisor, my clients were able to buy in without a commission. So they got 7% more shares. They got a, a bigger investment. So they had a better rate of return. These and, but the, the issue that started coming up that made me start to relook at insurance products was the illiquidity of the real estate, the, the non-publicly traded real estate trusts, and also the, the lack of principal protection, which was really the whole story behind using REITs as a corporate bond-like alternative, which was their design to protect principal. And so for me, the way that I was structuring my clients' portfolios to manage volatility was to blend in these non-publicly traded real estate trusts, but they had their own challenges. And that's when I realized I had to go back to fundamentals and go back to guarantees. And the only real guarantees are utilizing insurance products. And it, 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 was, it was a hard look. I was not I mean, I, th I think I had some pretty, <laughs> you know, aggressive cross-examination back of you uh, of questioning and, and really um, pushing back on the information you were giving me um, and really pushing back on the indexes, the performance and the changes. And once you, um, the tools that you've got for your advisors, particularly the history of the indexes, the, the looking at the indexes as a, a financial tool, not just a sales pitch, which a lot of people that are in your roles with other companies, I've talked to a lot of um, insurance people uh, that work for marketing companies. They just well, you're probably going to get, you're going to be blown up as it's air. So, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but, okay. I, I, trust me, I'm not going to take a lot of those calls. <laughs> a lot of them are just hit delete when, when they go to voicemail. Um, but what was impressive about what you were doing was you were treating this as 
not just a sales pitch, but treating it as an asset class and, and really treating it as a financial tool, which is very different than just selling something, which I, th I think is a, cal a really big caliber difference of what I, I was looking for, because I've worked with a lot of different marketing organizations over the years um, when I was doing this, because I was putting a lot of volume through. Um, I, I didn't realize my first year doing this, um, making million dollar roundtable was a successful thing. I didn't know that that was a big deal. <laughs> um, and then I found out it was. Um, so, I mean, I pumped a lot of volume through with, with this. Um, and so to me, treating this, especially with, you know, protecting my clients and the importance of that just ethically and morally was really critical. And so it seems like you've, you've done a good job of recently having, it sounds like, and it seems like a refreshing conversation you're having with customers going back to the basics of, of sequence of return risk protection, especially going into 2022. So I'm sure they'd much rather talk about income with Michael as opposed to, uh, <laughs> as opposed to risk. What other things have changed? Maybe not for the customer, but for Michael. So it's been, I'd say since June or so, maybe July of 2021, yep. we started chatting. You're a fast learner, as we, we joke about all the time. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you definitely, uh, you, you get an idea and you're off to the races with it, which is great. Mm -hmm. you're, you're definitely, yeah, you're definitely uh, dialed in to your processes. You're very disciplined. So what in the last, call it six months, has changed in your business model and how you're looking at going forward um, after working with us here at InsureMark, but anything change outside of just you and your customer and asset allocation? Yeah. So the asset allocation has really shifted. So I want, I want still liquidity. So yes, these the annuities obviously have the, the, the surrender period, but they do offer a, a good amount of liquidity. I mean, a some of them up to 10% a year. Um, and these are retirement assets. So it's not like these are designed to be spent anyway in, in one felt swill. So I like the idea that there's liquidity, more liquidity than there used to be. I like the idea that I feel comfortable with a, a using this as a, an asset class, basically as a, an income solution piece, I mean, anywhere from 40 to 50%, even sometimes a little higher. Uh, for some clients, um, I use different tools. There's a, a questionnaire that I use to kind of see where clients are on a spectrum of how much flexibility they want versus how much certainty and guarantees they want. And that helps with that conversation. So like yesterday, I was speaking with a client and she understood what protection the fixed index annuity offered. She wanted to put 100% of her entire retirement account in there. And obviously that's not going to work. So I had to talk her back and explain, yes, we're not going to use hundred percent, but we're using other tools. So I use other real estate oriented REITs publicly traded that offer liquidity and stability. So I'm able to still get that corporate bond like alternative, still able to manage volatility, but we still want to also keep some growth going on. So you still have to be exposed to the market, um, especially now with inflation, you know, going nuts, you have to have growth, particularly with retirees. So, so is finding that comfortable niche where the client is really telling me where their comfort level is and understanding the income piece of this 
and having that conversation and that education because they have to, when, when, when they're in their work mode, of course, they're in the accumulation phase and, and they're thinking about growth or thinking about how their accounts are growing. But a lot of them have to be educated about, okay, now once you stop working or you start transitioning to retirement, maybe doing contract work part-time or something like that, now, how is this asset that you've been accumulating now going to throw off income for you every month? How are you going to pay your bills? And that whole conversation, education has to change. And the focus needs to be, yeah, you still want your assets to grow to keep up with inflation, but the focus needs to be on how you're going to feed yourself and cover your bills. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where the income conversation comes in. And I don't know of a better tool that can you can tell someone that, you're not going to lose a dime. Yeah, you're not going to have these massive upside potentials, but that's not what this is designed for. And so really having just really intelligent conversations, financial-based conversations um, with clients is really enjoyable and, and, and something that they're, they're, it's a different conversation for them because their, their, their other advisors or friends aren't having these conversations. And their financial advisors are just in this accumulation mode where they're just trying to sell the things that these wirehouses and brokerage firms tell them that they're supposed to offer. Um, So they're not hearing these things. So it allows advisors who can have these income conversations to stand out and be unique. And you you definitely have opportunity. And that's what a lot of people don't have those conversations with people. So how's Michael currently getting in front of new prospects? Has your practice changed at all over the last six months of actually getting out to the public or what's, what's changed? What's changed is meeting you guys. <laughs> when, when, I, when I sat on that social security, I think it was the end of June, beginning of July. Um, you guys had like a half a day social security um, presentation with all of the different tools that you guys offer. It was, it was amazing. I mean, it's like one tool after another tool. I joke with you guys, like, I mean, you, you have an abundance of tools. There is just too much. <laughs> but what really astounded me was that there's all these great tools that you offer that allow advisors to get in front of prospects these days, which again, is pretty challenging in this new world that we're living in. In the old days, I used to do a lot of client educational workshops, clients would bring their friends and would have a dinner and do their thing. You can't do that anymore. <laughs> um, especially here in California, you have to show everything just to you know, get into a restaurant. But uh, so, so that doesn't work anymore. So one of the tools that you guys presented was this whole virtual advisor program. And that has been amazing. And to, to be able to generate anywhere from 10 to 15 really high quality appointments um, after a webinar, I was speechless. I mean, I, I, I heard your pitch. I watched it. I heard Al talk about it. It can't be that way, <laughs> but it is. And you just do your little talk to the computer and you do your virtual thing. Um, but it's a different skill set, of course. Yeah. Um, it's a lot harder. It takes a little while to, to develop those skills, but, but that has been a really great um, game changer for me, um, especially since I used to love traveling. And now with the world still being shut down, I was getting pretty bored. So this was a perfect time <laughs> to start doing these virtual webinars. And I've really enjoyed them. And it's been interesting. 
um, being introduced to. And these people have millions of assets. And I mean, these are not just 100,000 or 50,000. It's, it's amazing. And, these and they're not are, just in your own backyard anymore either. No, so this is ama- it's nationwide. <laughs> it's yeah. just nationwide. And um, I, I never thought I'd be insurance licensed in all these states. And But you know, it, it works and, it, and it's really enjoyable. And, and there's some really high quality prospective clients. I mean, just as every advisor who, who's a good quality advisor truly understands that not everybody can be their client, that there's, they have a certain match. And I'm really meeting some really interesting quality people across the country. And, and um, I mean, I used to just be a face-to-face guy. I would, even mailing things, I would never really do that. It would be all local. Um, mm-hmm. That, of course, has changed. And um, and so what what challenges to those, since this is relatively new, so what challenges do you find in your practice today or maybe over the course of the last six months? I'm sure we'll have more. <laughs> but as of today, as we speak, what are some challenges for you um, doing virtual webinars or just in your business in general today as a one-man advisor? Well, as a one-man advisor, to be able to stay organized and keep using technology, which again, I really appreciate what what your team um, offers, because um, I have a whole team now. It's I don't have to be with those other old marketing companies I used to work with. I had to learn how to do my own illustrations. Um, I've got you. I send you an email, and you respond quickly with options, and we talk it through. Um, you have a great support staff. Um, once the applications are done, I used to hate paperwork. It would be an absolute nightmare. Today, this morning, I've already done a life app and an annuity app. And I have zero concern that I'm going to get harassing phone calls from your staff. It just, it gets taken care of. It's amazing. You guys are fantastic. Well, um, thank you for the business. Didn't know you did. <laughs> yeah, busy, busy <laughs> okay. morning today. So, so that, that has, by having you guys as a support team, as a, as a, as a single business owner, a whole support staff of people now, um, I have a mm-hmm. team of people and it's really essential. So that makes a big difference. Um, so, so, so I have you guys in terms of the technology tool and, and the tools uh, and the, and kind of the back office support. And then really is to understand, and it's hard to make the change. Um, with mm-hmm. little habits of building rapport with someone over a Zoom call <laughs> is challenging. Um, when you have people who don't want to turn on their 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 cameras, well, we t- I talk it through and I cajole them, and eventually they do. And you try to build rapport. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of differences, but ultimately, if if you're if if you're experienced and you have real dedication and principles and knowledge to back what you're doing, this new way of doing business, after you get through all the bumps, eventually works. Uh, I mean, I have a lot of things I still have to improve on to improve the closing ratios and to improve prove this, but I I'm definitely feel like I've, I've come a, a long way um, to build that trust virtually which is a very different experience than building it across your desk. And where, where does that, um, where does that discipline come? Cause I know a couple of weeks back you, you came down here to Houston and I know it was a great opportunity to meet some of the advisors, which you're going to probably build some good relationships with over the years. 
So when we did the AMP VIP meeting and then just, it seemed like the discipline you have and other advisors who are in that group, they have good discipline, but then there's something that takes Mike to the next level of, of wanting to not just implement, but run with it. So where does that, where does that come from? Or what is the, what's the secret sauce to wanting to make sure that you're basically the best at what you do? Um, yeah, I guess just the way I was raised. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's, the, the, the few compliments I have for my parents that they did right. <laughs> uh, so they, they, they definitely instilled a really strong firstborn work ethic. Um, but uh, I, I mean, I really like looking and spotting people that are successful that do, do things and, and they don't have to be just financially successful. I mean, people who implement things. And, and that's one of the downsides of being a solo practitioner is that you're really isolated. So being exposed to like the advisors on that, that meeting in Houston was great. Um, your, your monthly calls are great. Being able to connect with other advisors that do things well, and they don't have to be like multi-million dollar produce. There's people who do suggest things, little things that really make a big difference. Um, at the meeting in Houston, someone talked about um, Google reviews. And it's like, huh, yeah, I haven't thought about that. And I have, I, back then I had two, well, actually I had three. There was, some, you know, an old, old, old client, like maybe 10 years ago, gave a Google review. And then some whining little millennial gave a, a <laughs> negative whining review. And then there was a fake review of someone who was fake. And that was it. And I never thought about my little poultry. It was really pathetic. It was like, what, a five, a one, and a one would average out not very well. Um, and I never thought about it. And then in the conversations in Houston, they're talking about this whole virtual world. It's like, oh, yeah, if someone actually Googles me and they're going to see three whopping reviews and not good reviews at that, um, what does that mean? What, what does that first impression look like? Mm -hmm. And so I thought, okay, I got to jump on this. So I guess that's what differentiates me versus a lot of people is like, okay, that was the first thing I did. I got back home, instantly signed up for a service that helps facilitate clients giving Google reviews. Um, so yeah, if uh, from an advisor, just a personal perspective, if, if there's something that you really want, you have to do it and just go out and do it. Just, I'm not a big fan of Nike other than their slogan, just do it. Um, and so that, just do it, stop whining and just do it. And really doing it for yourself, your family, what, whatever the big why is and, and the big reason. But ultimately I'm always driven by my clients. I, I anytime I've, I've been distracted by, money pitches or focusing on money, things always go haywire. But anytime I get back to my core values, which is who am I trying to serve? And in my case, my clients, if I put my clients first, everything else always seems to take care of itself. I always seem to meet the right people. I always seem to find the right solutions. Things always will work out if I'm putting my clients first. And, and so that's always just been kind of my moral compass of, of interacting with this, but certainly takes hard work. That's for sure. No, it, it is. And, and that's, that's great to hear. Cause you know, it's, it's almost where if you go back to a couple other episodes, it seems the advisors that continue to be on the show, it's take care of the customer and the customer takes care of you. And it, it seems to be a, a common theme here. So that's, that's great that you said yeah. that. 
Um, I guess wrapping up here, is there anything we have not discussed or words of wisdom that you like to give to the audience here? Just to really, in, in terms of the, what service you know you offer through your your advisor program, um, I would encourage anyone who's you're talking to or is thinking about working with you, really take a look at: Are you looking just for you know some quick little freebie, or are you really looking for a longer term relationship with someone that's going to add value to your clients and create a team and um, that's what I'm looking for in terms of being able to have access to great products and all the rest. Probably everyone short of a few Nexus issues, short of that, everyone is offering the same products, but really what, what's the, the value add? And what really impressed me when we first met was most of these other marketing companies, the first thing they always want to know is how much fixed index annuities did you do last year? And what did you do the year before? What's this? It's like, I haven't touched these darn things for nine years. I would have heard click, right? That never even came up anytime in the conversation. It wasn't until later that you actually asked my history of what I knew about them. And so it was a very different conversation about what value add you're able to give to me to be able to support my clients. So anyone that is you know, thinking about working with you and, and your team and what you offer, that to me is a significant difference and one that was really important to me in, in making the decision um, to commit working with, with you and, 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 uh, and Shermark and, and your team. Awesome. Well, though, I, I appreciate you jumping on today, Michael. Uh, already a busy morning. Probably a busy <laughs> afternoon as well that <laughs> you're going to have. Uh, no, thanks for hopping on here. And thank you to the listener. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite listening device so you do not miss out on any future episodes. Make sure also to follow us on LinkedIn at Jeremy Hauser for any additional information that I like to share amongst my team of advisors on LinkedIn. So that could be a good resource for you. So thanks for joining us. And remember, in a world full of betas, be an alpha. Thank you for listening to the InsureMark Advisor Mentorship Podcast with Vice President Jeremy Hauser. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available and connect with Jeremy on LinkedIn to stay up to date. If you would like to request our introduction kit, feel free to check out www.advisormentorship.com and click on Learn More. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of InsureMark. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. Thank you for listening to the InsureMark, the advisor mentorship podcast with InsureMark Vice President, Jeremy Hauser.